Welcome to the Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast with our senior pastor, Josh Plantholt. Great to have you with us. Calvary meets in the Joppa Falston area north of Baltimore. If you're nearby, come join us. For all the details, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. And now, here's this week's teaching. Let me tell you about the spaghetti that I had yesterday. <laughs> Seems to be an opening of every uh, method, so chicken wings, spaghetti, whatever floats your boat, right? Well, it's, honor, it's, it's, definitely, oh, it's definitely an honor to be with you today and see so many faces, familiar faces. We also like to welcome new visitors, new people, welcome. We really enjoy that you take this lot on and that you have the guts and the faith to hang around and we pray that we will not disappoint you. And for all those that are at home, welcome. Stay at home, it's too late to come down. Hope you feel better. So turn in your phones to um, John chapter 17. Open the app, slide, dot, tap. And if you buy, happen to have a Bible with you, it's page 1403. you wonder why I have this red dot on my head, is because my wife asked me two days ago, what is the title of the message? Well, as a good writer, you have two titles, working title and the final title. The working title was, the day I left my wife, hence the bruise on my head, not just kidding. I got some lid on my head. But what I'd like to share with you today, I, I have to get used to this seat. It's made for uh, somebody else, obviously. Feels like an uh, electric chair. <laughs> I'm ready, Scotty. But all fun aside, God is so glad you're here. Why? Because He instituted the local assembly to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to help one another, to pray for one another. So church services, so home fellowships, so prayer meetings, you name it, God wants you to be connected. Because once this earthly life is over, you will be connected as never in your mind you could imagine. So, yes. So let's let's just go into it and just see what Christ said in the most beautiful chapter in the Bible. Because it is said in many times the title, it's the high priestly prayer. I don't think so. But who am I? I think it is the love letter between Jesus and his Father. Now, we don't have enough time because I want you to be out here at 12 o'clock. So, so I'm just going to read a few verses, but you will get the gist of it. And the one thing that I want you to know and to remember for the rest of your life, we read it from verse 20. I do not pray for those alone, 
but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is talking about believers who come through the words of the disciples. So not just the apostles, prophets, and disciples, but through his disciples. But then he goes on, it's getting better, that they may all may be one as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, not on the loan, not least to us. He gave it to us. That they may be just as one as we are one. In I in them and you in me and they may be perfect in one. That the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Here comes the kicker. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. I'll read that line again. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given to me, you, for you loved me before the foundation of the world. That one statement that Jesus made there, I want you to be with me. Now, I know a lot of parents here that say, can you take my kids for a couple of years? <laughs> can you take my wife for a walk? So that I can have a little time for myself. <clears throat> Jesus says, Father, I want them home. <sighs> Sorry. I want them home. You see, the greatest grace that God gave man is that he stopped letting us live for 900 years, 950 years. Can you imagine being put up with one another for that long? <laughs> God helps. You know, you, after Noah, God said, 120 years, that will do. And he was right. Look at the mess the world is in. And we only have 120 years. See the confusion, the heartache, the difficulties that a lot of people go through in order just to survive. One job, two jobs, three jobs. And it's not going to get better. God says, I want you home. I want you out of it. But in order to do that, I have to let you come. You know that about 728 times in the Bible it speaks about heaven. Parents, when was the last time you talked with your kids about heaven as being more important than the economy of America? Heaven. 
573, I'm going to bore you to death now with numbers, but that's, you know, just me. 573 times the word love is in the Bible. 282 mercy, 200 wrath, 107 forgive, 153 hope. Heaven is mentioned 75 times in the Gospel of Matthew. 17 in Mark, 32 in Luke, 17 in John. 17 times Jesus speaks about your Father who is in heaven. Your Father who is in heaven. Paul writes to the Church of Ephesians, we are strangers and sojourners on this planet. How, how, how real is that? How real is that? We want to have TV, we want to have internet, we want to have cars, we want to have Teslas, we want to have nice houses, swimming pools, jacuzzi, you name it, you want to have promotions, this, that, and the other thing. It's all horizontal promotion. Doesn't mount up to a hill of beans in the eyes of God. Because if your heart isn't right, you're not going to treat his blessing right either. See, heaven, as we talk about heaven this morning, heaven is a place where God dwells and all those that love his appearance. Second Timothy, what is it? 4 8. All that love his appearance, they will be there. You say, but I know people that did not love his appearance. Well, then you make sure that the next one does. There is a responsibility on our end to make heaven real, to talk about heaven. You can fantasize about heaven all you want and you still run out of ideas. It was the place that God started for Adam and Eve. And I've wondered many times when we spoke in one of our home fellowships about the fact that why was it that Adam listened to Eve? Why did he get sucked into it? Does anybody remember? This is an interactive service. Don't <laughs> so, worry, I'm not buying you. You never Not that I heard what he said, but it's fine. So he never turned to God and says, Thank you. He saw her and he was totally overtaken, like nowadays, when men meet women, they lose their mind. It takes years to find it back. <laughs> if ever no he didn't turn back to God and says what are you giving me and because he didn't go to God we still suffer by the absence of the manual God what am I going to do with this beautiful Heaven is a place where we live, live towards in expectancy to meet Jesus Christ. 
And of course, we look forward to meeting our beloved ones who were before us. So Jesus says in John 14, 3, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Let not your heart be troubled in John 14. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. I will receive you to myself of where I am. There you may be also. I'm going to prepare a place for you. There where I am. There where I am. See, God never destined you to live on the earth forever. That's not your hope. That's not your occupation. That's, that's just an intermittent test as far as how much do you walk with God in obedience and have His plan for your life work out. It is all the way up to heaven that Jesus is leading you through the trials and the difficulties and the heartaches and the, the, and the deaths and the sicknesses. And God, we have so many sick people in our church and in our, in our lives. And we all pray for healing, and, and rightly so. We want to get, uh, you know, want to see them all walk and talk and, and, and be happy and be, be glad. God says, "Yeah, but I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do it your way." Let me tell you about my wife. I know we're trying a dangerous ground now, but she went into the hospital the last week of December. Within two days, she was hooked up in no, as, as many hoses and tubes and stuff, more than in my car, my engine has in my car. And she was there for two and a half weeks. Okay, five from the doctors, seven on the nurses, and a bill. So we're good. And she was there, and I went home, I said, look, there has to be something more than just one sick, one alive, one praise, and the other one gets better. And so I started posting things on Facebook as to the inner workings of what was going on in my heart at that time. Because she said, before she's checked out with all the tubes and all the stuff, I went into a coma, paralyzed in her body and comatose in her mind. I said, God, she said she wants to go home. I let her. I said, Lord, I'm already here. She owes me. <laughs> <laughs> she owes me so much money. <laughs> so much energy. So much stress. You can't let her go. She at least that practice. But the funny thing was, Lord, if you want to have her, take her. Because as long as I know her, that was her desire. That's why she got saved. Saved from guilt. Saved from hell. Saved from judgment. Saved from an eternal destruction. She said, I give my life to Jesus Christ so that I can go to heaven. 
And if you're here new today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you better make up your mind today. Because heaven is real and so is hell. So is hell. And it's scary. The, the nonchalance with which even believers deal with the, king, the things of the kingdom. Jesus says, I want you to have you with me because I love you. I gave my life for you so that you have a hopeful future. And so, you may say, yeah, well, who says there is a heaven? Well, ask the thief on the cross what he thinks. What did Jesus say to him? You don't get any points, don't worry. So you're, you're, you can't fail this class. Today you will be with me in paradise. That guy didn't get baptized. He didn't have communion. He wasn't able to tell anybody else. God, Jesus stripped him completely of all the religious humdrum. And said, the only thing that I want you to recognize is me. Today, you'll be with me in paradise. That's all. So stop talking about people around you. I don't know whether he goes to heaven. I don't know whether he goes to heaven. It's none of your business anyway. You're not Peter, and it's not his business either. The beauty is that God is in control, whether we like it or not, whether we see it or not. And so the qualifying aspect to enter into heaven, Jesus said, Matthew 18, 4, I assuredly I say to you, unless you are converted, accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and become as little children with childlike faith, you will be no means enter into the kingdom of heaven. So whether you climb the Kilimanjaro or whether you sign for 100,000 people or be the president of America or whatever, you invited this medication for cancer, God says you're going to die anyway. It's not important, not relevant. You have childlike faith. God said it, you believe. God said it, it's done. Don't question God. He has more brain than you. <laughs> and so, our viewpoint of heaven is often marked by our disappointments in life. Bad father, bad mother, bad brother, bad sister, bad circumstances, bad society, you name it. Our words, the compilation of all of our words, collectively determine ultimately what we call truth. I mean, I heard Jordan Peterson yesterday with Josh Rogan, one of the guys. 50 minutes, that guy blew me away. He says, the word of God is the final source of truth in the midst of all the, the confusion and the heartache and the difficulties. Man, that, he made me cry. Because he has been through hell and back, Jordan Peterson. And you know what? Sometimes you have to go through hell and back in order to get rid of some of your fig leaves and some of your ideas and some of your concepts. 
Because it's really getting boring to hear 25 times the same thing. That's what my wife says when I preach. You gotta go on to something new. <laughs> and rightly she is. You know, a whole book full of new. And so, how can, uh, listen to this question. How many people in your environment have said that? How can a loving God leave the world and man in such a mess? Right? You can hang out above the door and everyone says, really, that's right. He did not. God didn't leave the world in a mess. We made the mess. Hello? We made the mess. We killed 300 plus in Baltimore alone. We made decisions. We vote for people in office that have no brain, no future, no wisdom. And not just in Washington, D.C. Be careful. We have a state election coming up. We have board of elections coming up. We have school of education, board of education coming up all the time. We have to make sure that those who honor the word of God have the chance to display the word of God in their details of life. Because you don't care about politics, but guess what? Politics cares about you. And so God is not a God that leaves things in a mess. He did not. He sent His Son to tell us how God planned it all at day one. He planned it all on day one and how sin and sickness entered into the mind and soul of man. But the glorious thing is life is not final. He told us, He gave us the perfectness, the perfect art, that man made a mess of it, God came and revealed how it started, because we live in denial. He's revealed it. He says, I'll give you the answer. My son, he who believes in me will not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you believe that? See, heaven is, the Old Testament speaks about heaven. In Isaiah, listen to this beautiful thing. Isaiah 11, verse 6. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lay down with the young goat and the calf with the young. The lion and the fatling together. That's an animal. That's not you. That is, uh, <laughs> and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze their young ones and shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole, and the weeding child shall put his hand in the viper's den. Now this is the millennial time, the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ. That's what happening on the earth for a thousand years. But the garden of Eden in heaven is going to have a multiplication as beautiful that we cannot understand. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, it was so beautiful, I'm not, not allowed to talk about it. Okay? I'm not allowed to talk about it. Samuel came back from the dead to talk to Saul, remember? If you remember your Bible. Isaiah, he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Ezekiel, he saw the throne in the midst of heaven. Daniel, 
He saw the throne of God. They all saw the throne of God. Stephen, remember Stephen. He got stoned to death. Why? Because he dared to testify. I see the Son of God standing, waiting for my arrival. going to be such a time. It's going to be such a joyful thing when we enter into heaven. It is because of heaven that we can take the crap of the world. It is because of heaven that we can take a difficult marriage. Because of heaven that we can deal with wayward children. Because of heaven that we can deal with a lousy job. Because heaven will tell us there is a future for you waiting, and this is all temporal. The first 10, ten years, you walk around like a chicken with his head cut off. The next 20 years, you find your head. The next, from 30 to 40, you glue it on your head. Forget about it. I'm not here. And so you think you made it, and from your 30 to 40, you think, I'm learning this, and I study that, and then you get a job, and everybody at the job hates you. <laughs> then you try to get a job that you can live until you're 65, hopefully to get through in one piece. And you're 65, and you're retired, and you're bored out of your skull. And then you're 80, and you're depending on your kids again. That's life, folks. That's all. <laughs> God, I'm glad there is heaven. Yes. I'm glad there is a time limit to my life. If you want to go home, baby, go to the bus. Tell God you thank Him for all the years with me and that the things that He learned you through me. <laughs> That girl puts up with me now for 50 years, okay? <laughs> 47 year marriage, three years of engagement, and I test everything in the book. She's still with me. Of course, she gets all the crumbs. But so be it. There is no stinking reason in the world that you have to divorce. There's no reason why you should shack together and never, not let your relationship be blessed by God. There's no reason in the world that you should temper your teenagers when they are 35 and still live in your basement. <laughs> Do the right thing. Because heaven is coming. Heaven is coming. John 3 says, And as Moses was lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him, finish it, should not perish. Folks, eternal life is waiting for you. Now don't kill yourself to get there. Just just wean it out. You can handle it. You're a tough guy. You're a tough girl. 
Okay, you have to fight in the family. Well, walk in the garden. If you don't have a garden, jump off the balcony. Do something, but don't feed your problem. The issue that you feed with grudges and heartache and bitterness and anger will ultimately consume you. Humble yourself in the sight of God. And he will lift you up. Did you think, can you imagine Lazarus is dead, right? He's four days dead. He stinks. And all of a sudden you have to come back. Oh, where's my deal? You know? Can I have a shower? He is coming out of death into resurrection because Jesus told him to come out and show himself. What did the Pharisees say? Hey, the miracle of God. Yes, there is a God. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. There is a man alive. No. They said, not only are we going to kill Jesus, we're going to kill Lazarus as well. So you never can win walking with God in the eyes of man. But you're more than conqueror in the eyes of God. You're more than conqueror. See, the beauty of this, this life with Christ is that he gives us people to encourage one another. To tell us the truth as well when necessary. We have to. We, we're lazy liars. We, we just try to wiggle our way around it. You know? But God is, is real. He, he loves you to death, literally. He loves you to death. He doesn't want you to be walking in the in the foolishness of your own mind. It says, have the, the mind of Christ. Thank you with God. Let his doctrine, let his teaching control your mind. Don't make of every issue a, a, a mountain. You know, leave it as it is because God will take care of it. Make the right decisions. And I want to, in closing, we're there yet. Yeah, so in Genesis 13, Abraham and Lot go out of Ur of the Chaldeans, right? And God says to Moses, to, to Abraham and Lot, stand here on the mountain. Because the, the sheep herd of Lot was in, in, in cahoots with it or in trouble with the sheep herd of Abraham. So Abraham says, you know, do what is right. You go to the left, I go to the right. You go to the right, I go to the left. It doesn't matter to me. He's in Italian. It doesn't matter to me, you know. <laughs> so, go. And Lot says, well, I, of course, like any good American, he sees a nice green patch of land for his sheep. And he's saying, oh, I can make 100 sheep, and then I can grow 500 sheep. Then I can go to the stock market, and then I can buy a, a speed camel, and then a race, and do all the other good things. Yeah, I'll take the, the Jordan River. Abram says, okay, fine, you take it. And Abram may have been a little bit disappointed because he saw a plot of land as well. I don't know, I wasn't there. So, Lord runs off with the sheep, right? Yo, hallelujah, praise Jesus, look what we've got for free. God is with us. And he gave us these blessings. And you know what? There are screw-up blessings. Because some of those blessings look nice. But they can mess up your head. Seriously. Because Abraham 
heard a tap on his shoulder, and God took him aside and says, Abram, little Lot ran to a little Lot to get in big trouble. Abram, look around you. Look around you. Look around the north, the east, the south, and the west. Lord, choose a little speck, and I'm giving you the rest. Folks, don't run into decision-making too fast. You may lose on the whole land while you try to be happy about a little speck. Let God make the decision in your life as to what needs to be done and where you need to go and how, what kind of a job you take and where you should live and these things because your relationship with God is way much more important than your relationship with your employer or your neighbors or your children. Did I say that wrong? No. Okay. Your relationship with God it's not equal to a good marriage, happy kids, good job, money. No. Could be mean the dungeon. Could mean the fiery furnace. Could mean anything. Think about those brothers and sisters in North Korea. The only way out for them is heaven. In Africa, South America, the only way out is heaven. Coming home to Jesus Christ is his desire for everyone. But there is, like I said, there's one condition. It's not worth living without the one who gave his life. And to do that, we have to repent. Repent is saying, I'm sorry. Acknowledging your rebellion, your unbelief, your pride, because the word is... Sin. Sin separated us from God. Acknowledging sin makes you agree with God. God in the meantime sacrificed Christ to take care of the sin of the world when you agree that the life you live is a sinful life. God says, I die for it. I'll take it away from you. So you are free from hindering sin. You will sin until you die, don't worry. In case you miss it. But God will not reckon sin to you anymore. He reckoned it on the Son, Jesus Christ. You are now free to claim your birthright with God. That's why he wants you to come home. That's why he says, I want them to be with me where I am. And so, the Gospel of John couldn't say it any clearer. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Now listen to the next verse. My Father, who has given them to me, John 17, five times, they have given them to, we are given to Jesus, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. 
Folks, the Bible offers you eternal security based on the finished work of Jesus. That's it. God wants you home. He wants you to step away from the life you lived, the glamorous, lonely, meaningless life that depends on Facebook and Snapchat and Pinterest and God knows whatever things will be different despised to lure you in. I re sometimes I, I, I just see people, adults, gaming. That's their world. Game, 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 game. Why don't you give them a pacifier? <laughs> then they shut up for the rest of their life. You know, put them in the basement, lock the door, feed them in the little thing, go play kid, and then take the dog out for a walk. Listen, life is too precious to mess it up. Life is too short to neglect the beauty of it. Walk with Jesus and your eyes will be open to a land that you've never seen. Father, I pray for all those that are here, friends and family and visitors, that you work your work and your word in their hearts. And if there's anybody here that wants to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just come forward to the people at the door that will pray for you. But make sure you don't leave this place still wandering in the dark. Lord Jesus, come in my heart and save my soul. Give me the life eternal that you promised to all those that love me. Father, teach me to love you and to walk by faith. Come as you are. Let just God love you. Let God love you. Father, we pray for this church and all that she stands for. Continue to work on those that are sick, that are at home, that couldn't make it. I think of Joe and others. Father, they need you right now in a very special way. Father, we thank you for this morning. Jesus. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Calvary Baltimore. Please keep in touch. Send us an email with your questions, prayer requests, or just to say hi. We'd love to hear from you. Our email address is calvary.faithlife at gmail.com. If you'd like to donate to support the work God is doing through Calvary Baltimore, go to calvarychapelbaltimore.org and click Donate Now. And if you're in the area, stop by on a Sunday morning. For directions and service times, go to our website at calvarychapelbaltimore.org. Finally, if you're unable to come see us in person, we also live stream on our website and on our Facebook page. We hope you've been blessed by this week's teaching. Until next time, keep drawing closer to God through the reading of His Word. And join us again for the next Calvary Baltimore Sermon Podcast.